Hi, welcome to Pastoring in the Puritans. I am your host, uh, Stephen Drazen, pastor at Cedar Hill Baptist Church in East Bruton, Alabama. And we will be looking at the positive impact on pastoral ministry that studying the Puritans can have today. And for this initial podcast, we will be looking at who are the Puritans and why we should study them today. In order to understand the Puritans, uh, we have to understand the origin of that term. That term uh, came to be used in the 1560s, and it was uh, always used in a negative connotation. Uh, J.I. Packer, in his foreword uh, to Leland Ryken's introduction to the Puritans, Worldly Saints, uh, begins with this. Horse racing is said to be the sport of kings. The sport of slinging mud has, however, a wider following pillaring the Puritans in particular has long been a popular pastime on both sides of the Atlantic, and most people's image of Puritanism still has on it much disfiguring dirt that needs to be scraped off. He goes on to say, Puritan as a name was in fact mud from the start, coined in the early 1560s. It was always a satirical smear word implying peevishness, censoriousness, conceit, and measure of hypocrisy. If you're reading this, if you're listening to this, uh, you've probably heard many of those uh, connotations. Uh, you might even use uh, the term Puritan uh, that way yourself. Uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's uh, famous work, Scarlet Letter, is uh, one such work uh, that portrays uh, Puritans in such a light. But those who were pilloried, those who were ridiculed with this term, uh, were not the peevish, censorious, conceited hypocrites that their opponents made them out to be. Uh, the early Puritans were those uh, in the Church of England uh, in the Elizabethan period uh, who uh, were convicted that the Reformation uh, had not been carried uh, far enough. Uh, that there was a great lack of faithfulness to scriptural teaching in the life of the church. And, and so they were very concerned with the, the lukewarm nature of uh, the church as vast numbers uh, in the church, because admission to the church was through infant baptism, uh, vast numbers were nominally Christian uh, with no genuine faith. And what was going on at the church level wasn't uh, helping that. Uh, there was still uh, much sacerdotalism uh, that hadn't been uh, left behind in the Reformation because uh, whereas in Europe, uh, in Germany and Switzerland, uh, particularly Switzerland, uh, the Reformation was a, a bottom-up grassroots movement, uh, the English Reformation was top-down, uh, spearheaded by King Henry VIII and his desire to annul his marriage to his first wife. And so the English Reformation had not experienced a, a, a bottom-up Reformation. Uh, you, you had bishops, you had pastors, you had nobility uh, that had come to thorough Reformed uh, principles, but that had not been popularized. And so in contrast to what had occurred uh, during King Henry VIII, uh, the Puritans were very much a grassroots popular movement. 
popular with the lower segments. Uh, there were Puritan noblemen, there were Puritan clergy, but uh, many of those uh, that we look back and remember today were not at the top tier of society. Uh, we take, for example, John Bunyan uh, as an example uh, of a, a faithful Puritan pastor, and uh, he, he was a, a tinker. He was uh, nobody of uh, social importance in his time. Yeah, Packer, in his work, Quest for Godliness, uh, likens uh, the Puritans to the California Redwoods. Uh, he he says that there were giants of their time, and there are giants in church history towering over the Christianity of many generations, including our own, uh, particularly in the West, where affluence uh, have given us a false sense of peace. To really understand who the Puritans were, uh, one of the best summaries that we can look to at Puritan characteristics uh, is found in a short piece uh, by a man uh, by the name of John Gear, who wrote what is called the character of an old English Puritan or nonconformist, and that was written in 1646. Uh, and I think there are six things uh, about Puritans uh, that John Gear hits on in this piece uh, that make them important for us to study in our day and make them uh, positive examples for us. The first thing uh, that strikes out uh, in his work is that the Puritans were, were God-centered in their focus. Uh, Gear says that the old English Puritan was such and one that honored God above all and under God gave everyone his due. His first care was to serve God and there he did not what was good in his own, but in God's sight, making the word of God the rule of his worship. The Puritans were uh, immensely rooted in the fact that everything was to be done uh, for the glory of God. It's where you get the Westminster Confession of Faith, the catechism uh, that says that, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the Puritans are exemplary in their God-centeredness. And as we look around at the state of evangelicalism and uh, America particularly, we see that one of the greatest needs uh, of our generation, every generation, is to recapture that God-centeredness. Secondly, they were pious uh, they, they were rooted in their piety. They were people of prayer. John Gear goes on to say, He was much in prayer with it. He began and closed his day in it. He was exercising his closet family in public-like assembly. He esteemed that manner of prayer best, whereby the gift of God expressions were varied according to the present wants and occasions. So the Puritans' uh, prayer was very vital to their life. Uh, they lived their faith. It wasn't based on uh, set forms, uh, uh, as had been the practice in the Church of England. They were people of authentic prayer and piety. They weren't putting on an act for others. What they were in the closet was who they were in public and at home. Uh, thirdly, they were word-centered in their worship. Uh, one of the things uh, that they were opposed to at their time was uh, that much of the worship in the Church of England was based on readings out of the Book of Common Prayer. And really, one of the things uh, that marks uh, the Puritan movement was that it was a, uh, a callback, a return to the importance of expository preaching. 
Gear says uh, in this work, he esteemed reading of the word an ordinance of God both in private and public, but he did not account reading to be preaching. He accounted perspicuity, that is clarity, the best grace of a preacher, and that method best, which was most helpful to understanding, affection, and memory. So they believed in the importance of clearly teaching what was in the word of God. So the Puritans uh, were an example of word-centered ministry. They were dutiful in their vocations. Uh, We live in a day and age where vocation is uh, quickly uh, minimized and undermined. Uh, We only think of calling in the issue of ministry, somebody being called to ministry, but the Puritans had a fuller understanding of vocation. They understood that to be a husband, a wife, uh, uh, to serve in the public sphere, those were vocations from God. Gear says he accounted religion and engagement to duty that the best Christians should be the best husbands, best wives, best subjects, that the doctrine of God might be adorned, not blasphemed. And they understood that the Christians should be the best parents, children, masters, servants, magistrates because of their understanding of vocation, because they believed in light of Scripture that these areas are particular vocations from God in which we are to glorify God. They were concerned with the spiritual welfare of their family. Uh, They had a great desire to see their family converted. They desired to make uh, their home a church, uh, Gear says, both in regard of persons and exercises, admitting none into it but such as feared God. Uh, They wanted to make sure that their homes were models of faithfulness and uh, family worship. Uh, one thing that is greatly lacking today in many homes is that family worship. And last, they were suffering servants. Gear says concerning them, uh, his whole life he accounted a warfare wherein Christ was his captain, his arms, prayers and tears, the cross, his banner, and his word, winket qui patitur, which is translated, he who suffers conquers. And this is probably one of the best lessons that we can learn from the Puritans in our day and age. Uh, Packer uh, notes in that foreword uh, uh, in Leland Reichen's uh, Worldly Saints uh, that the Puritans were essentially the losers of their time. Packer says the Puritans lost more or less every public battle that they fought. Those who stayed in England did not change the Church of England as they hoped to do, nor did they revive more than a minority of its here, and eventually they were driven out of Anglicanism. They were forced at, rather than purifying the church as they desired, they were forced out in uh, August 1662, in which in many ways uh, was a redefining of the movement. Uh, no longer were they Puritans, now they were nonconformist dissenters outside the Church of England, uh, facing uh, even greater persecution than they did before. And yet, despite all the losses that, that they suffered... It is they that we look back to as the models of piety, as the models of faithfulness, not those who had won the battles, not those like the Archbishop Clarendon or, or uh, the nobility of the day. We don't look uh, to Charles the the Second, who uh, ultimately uh, led about this uh, great ejection in his day, but we look at, at the Puritans as the models of faithfulness. 
think uh, today in the church we're, we're afraid of losing uh, in, in our culture. We want to win at all costs, uh, but the Puritans are a perfect example of those who lost the public battle but won the war because of Christ. George Whitfield, in his uh, foreword to a reprint of Bunyan's works, uh, says, Ministers never write or preach so well as when under the cross. The Spirit of Christ and of glory then rest upon them. It was this, no doubt, that made the Puritans such burning and shining lights. When cast out by the Black Bartholomew Act, the 1662 Act of Uniformity, and driven from their respective charges to preach in barns and fields and the highways and hedges, they in an especial manner wrote and preached as men having authority. Though dead by their writings, they yet speak. A peculiar unction attends them to this very hour. And Whitfield was writing that and 1767, and I would say their work still has that unction today. They still have much to teach us today here in America, here in the evangelicalism that we find ourselves in. So again, I I point back to Gear's characteristics uh, that we can learn from. They were God-centered. They were pious. They were word-centered in their worship. They were dutiful in their vocations. They were concerned with the spiritual welfare of their families, and they were suffering servants. Uh, And in uh, the weeks and months ahead, as uh, we continue our study of different Puritans and different aspects uh, of how they can be a positive impact on pastoral ministry for today— uh, we need to uh, remember that when we think of them, there is still that much mud. We need to look at them uh, in light of their own context uh, as opposed to later studies uh, that would seek to ridicule them for their faithfulness to Scripture. So thank you for joining us today, and I look forward uh, to uh, being with you all again on our next episode of Pastoring in the Puritans.